I, I just realised that in all of our uh, excitement about Camp No Fear, and it is the most amazing thing that's happening this weekend, um, Rick, our senior pastor, is in Garoka up in the highlands of PNG, and this morning they are opening a new church building for the people of Garoka that we have <laughs> built for them. Um, now, Rick will be here next week, uh, and uh, as long as the planes work, and um, he'll bring you photographs of what's happened. But we, we sort of let these things just go over our head and we forget how significant it is that we've, we've actually built this building for, just for a new community of God's people in that place, and it's also being used as a school. So for all of you that give to this church, you are making a difference. It's incredible. Incredible. Well, something exciting today. I was watching a program uh, last year called Take Five, which is on the ABC. Xandra Rhodes, who's a Triple J presenter, speaks to celebrities and she asks them to bring five songs that were uh, significant in their life. And uh, I thought, we can do that, we can do better, because she's talking about people's lives, uh, stories of people's lives and great music, which we love both of those things, but we're going to add stories of the goodness of God to that. And I've invited as our first celebrity, Mark Ansell. It's the best we could come up with. Come on. Um, but we're going to call this take three, Mark, because we don't have time for take five. I'm just going to bring these chairs over here, seeing we have no one here. This might be a better angle. Hope the light's okay there, Ben. But have a seat, Mark. Is that right? And I've Last invited... Step. Yeah, I think you're okay, as long as these people can see your lovely face. Um, now, you've been part of this church since pretty much the beginning. November, 86. So that's 37 years. Mm. And... Everyone knows you because you're the big ugly guy, sits in the front, but they may not know a lot about who you are or your background. So just tell us a little bit about your family, where you came from. I grew up in Noble Park, Noble Street, uh, when it was market gardens and chicken farms. It's a new suburb, um, therefore no uh, sewerage. They still had uh, toilets out the back then on the new estate. But um, working class, everybody's working class, mixture of um, white migrants at that time. Yep. Um, Dutch, yep. Poms, Irish, mm. Germans, whatever. So grew up in very working class, which we all are, unless you can afford not to work. Yeah, um, yeah so a big family, eight um, in a 10-square house. Eight people in a 10-square house? Anyone mm. grow up like that? Yeah. yeah. Which was standard. The whole yeah. all the streets were 10 yeah, squares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And, and your, your family was quite unusual. They were working class, but they. what was the, the highest value for your family? Uh, academia. You uh, academia. study. Yeah, absolutely. Mum, yeah. that was it. You will study. Yeah. And so... Now, you had two older sisters. Yeah, and they were ducks of their um, private... They went to private colleges and yep. they, they were ducks as the best. So that was good modelling. Um, they were pretty radical, weren't they? Uh, my eldest one was more. Uh, she went to Monash Union, marched in the um, Vietnam moratorium protests and that they got quite violent. She uh, marched in them, which is interesting because my dad was in law enforcement. So when she brought home a boyfriend who was a draft dodger and slept on my bedroom floor, 
next to me and I wake up and there's this guy, he was a draft dodger and I said, that's interesting, my dad's asleep in the main house, it's in a bungalow then, we, uh, when we were 14 we got a bungalow and um, yeah, he was a draft dodger, dad's in law enforcement, go figure. Yeah, so. wow, wow. So were you a radical as well, like politically when you were growing up or was that the... Oh, certainly around the table you heard... Yeah, always, um, there was always discussions about, um, and again, generated by my mum would be um, politics, uh, inequalities, mm. women's, women's rights, which no one of my friends, parents or anybody ever spoke about the right of women's. Yeah. But that was what I was raised with, that women are equal, absolutely equal, um, as smart as any bloke. Uh, can, women could do anything, and I just, I just knew. Well, I knew that was true as a kid, but that's what the atmosphere I grew up in. So, was faith any part of your family? No, not at all. Um, we went to a religious primary school, mm. and uh, but no, not no faith. Mm. But but morals and ethics. Big morals time. and ethics. Absolutely. If you yeah. disrespected an older person or was um, rude to an immigrant or anybody, you yeah. would. So, yeah, absolutely. So, you met Sally when you were in high school. Yep. Now, Sally came from a very um, uh, traditional, like, generations Christian well, Yeah, family. gospel chapel that her grandfather built in 1930 or something. Amazing. Yeah. And you started going along to that church. Yeah, brother, one of her three older brothers. Yeah. They invited me to church service. So. Right. So, you had an encounter with faith. Now, how did that affect your mum and dad? Oh, mum wanted me to see a psychiatrist, um, uh, which is tough when you're in a 10-square house because you've got nowhere to hide. Mm. You can't go to upstairs um, or out to the billiard room to get away from uh, aggressive. So um, mum wanted to see a psychiatrist uh, and it really uh, big stuff, like um, even it rolled on. My dad didn't come to my 21st, felt uh, so I was... 20, I think, when we got married, um, and it was only a family wedding, and the supper, the supper was in um, Sally's mum's place. So you're in a lounge room with 15 other people at the reception, and your dad doesn't talk to you even at the reception. Mm. Um, so big stuff about the road that I had mm. decided to take, even though straight away I honoured my parents, I'd always honoured my parents, mm. but even more. As I, think, I honoured them more. I offered, do you want me to paint the windows, Dad? Do you want me to... So, I was, so it wasn't that I was off in jail or doing drugs or anything, but it's just like, bang, you are almost wiped. What do you think... I mean, a lot of parents, even if they weren't churchgoers themselves, would be happy if their kids had found, you know, what they would think would be a, a moral structure for their lives. What... Do you have any idea why your father was so much against it? I and mum was against it. And your mum? Oh, I just think it was just outside their frame of reference and everything was about um, paying the next bill and your kids will do well at school. Mm. Um, so even I was fortunately very good at sport. That was an add-on. That was not a priority. You know, you will do all your part-time jobs and study and do stuff. So this thing happening over here of going to church... Um, they thought it I, would distract you from the important. Well, that things. it was just it was there was a, it was just something unknown to them, and just, uh, it was prejudice. It was just like bang, mm. just bang up. Um, so yeah, big time. Interesting. Yeah. Well, let's have a look at your first song, Mark. Sure. And, th and when I asked Mark to 
to choose three songs. Isn't that like choosing your three favourite children? Um, and he chose this one, which is Paul Kelly's How to Make Gravy. Joe here. I hope you're keeping well. It's the 21st of December. Now they're ringing the last bell. If I get good behavior, I'll be out of here by July. Won't you kiss my kids on Christmas Day? Please don't let them cry for me. I guess the brothers are driving down from Queensland And Stella's flying in from the cold gonna be a hundred degrees even more maybe but that won't stop the road who's gonna make the gravy now i bet it won't taste the same but just that flour salt a little red wine don't forget a dollar for tomato sauce for sweetness and that extra tang and give my love to Why was raised on the stories of uh, Henry Lawson and Joe Patterson and writings of uh, other Australian poets and, and storytellers and so on. So I always listen to words. I can't help that. And so and music was a big part of our family. It was played quietly in the background right through. I always had this musical influence happening wide. And um, I'm listening to the lyrics. And then as I... Um, started to uh, graft into becoming a Christian and the Holy Spirit working me, I could see straight away the gospel, the, the uh, transcendence of God, the working of God, not only in Henry Lawson stories, um, but in songs. Um, like I've got all the Christian songs, I've got, what we say, I've got about 4,000 songs on my phone, got all the Gateway albums, and what, but in secular um, songs and so on. I could see the thread of the gospel straight away. So um, the story is Joe's in jail, uh, stuff's up, it's Christmas, he might get out in July, he's writing a song, but 
in that song, which I think will replace um, one, uh, Jolly Swagman, it's so iconic now, because the song's about he's stuffed up, he's in jail, he can't be with the family at Christmas time, relationships are busted, um, and his job every Christmas had been to make the gravy. Uh, that's his legacy, but he can't even do that. So his angst is in that song saying, everything's stuffed up, I want to be there, I can't be there, um, kiss my sleeping kids for me, all the family's flying in and I'm not going to be there, but one day I'm going to get out and, and then I'm going to make gravy, and I'm going to make lots of gravy, which is then he switched to, he's talking about making lots of money to pay back his sins, prodigal son. You know, I'll go back to Dad's farm and earn myself, I'll go and feed the pigs. So, um, but in that song, Marcy, um, it's got everything of um, broken relationships, um, seeking reconciliation, looking for hope, looking for a way forward. Um, and so, you know, I thought, I can see the prophet Jeremiah's words, you know, you know um, the heart's deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Says, and then Paul says in Romans, you know, we've all stuffed up. Romans 3, we all sin, we all muck up, we are all distant from God. Um, I can see that through those words. And then um, Paul writes in Corinthians, you know, but God's a God of reconciliation. And our job, as he says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, is about where to be reconciled as ourselves. And that's all in that song. So I have, I've realised over the decades, I have this ability. I just see the transcendence of God, not only in Scripture, which I read this morning like you would have, and that's number one. Uh, the Word of God is the base. But in, in all around me is the transcendence of God. I've always, I can just pick up. And see, so that song for me is a very gospel song because it's, yeah, so it's telling the story of all of us. So We're all good. broken. We're all looking for a way forward. Um, life's not easy um, and we want to leave a legacy. So, so. so you're, you're talking about sort of this breakdown in family relationships mm. and, and our job as Christians to be reconcilers. Absolutely. And we would like to think that all of our stories have a happy ending, mm. but your story with your mum and dad didn't have a happy ending. No, no. So even right to the end, you... You were never able to reconcile with your dad. No, he um, remarried and moved to a suburb just up Peninsula, went further up, and um, he wiped the family, wiped me, um, and, and he like really liked Sally, but wiped her like, no, nah, I don't want to see the grand. And so I never saw him five years, and then he died, and I wasn't even told um, that he died, uh, and I didn't know until four days later through a distant relation, but then being banned from the funeral. You, you know, you weren't, you're not going to the funeral. So that's a re weird world for a, a... Who told you you couldn't go to the funeral? Your mum? No, no. no. Mum had nothing... He was remarried. Oh, OK. So second yeah. wife. Oh. So whatever. This is, was Dad's wishes that he didn't want any of the family. So one of my sisters rang me, my younger sisters, who I... Mm. Sally and I helped raise, in a way, on weekends after they divorced. And she said, Mark, I just want to go to the funeral and I just want to throw the rose on the coffin. Yeah. Because you know, I was her dad. And I, I, I said, I'll do it. I'll take it, even though we went right. And I said to her, just one thing. You, what do you want to feel? And she said, I just want to feel reconciliation with dad. I just want to throw the rose out. And I said, do you realise that you may not get that opportunity? There may be a reaction there. And what you want to do at that point. Yeah. And she said, you, you're right. Uh, no, I won't go. So that was such a crazy So story. you were saying um, in the 
nine o'clock service, we were talking about the fact that so many men in particular in Australia have what you would call a father wound. It's yeah, like the, you know, the, the relationship's yeah, never been. So obviously there's got to be a, a big father wound in your heart. Mm. So to me, Mark, you are a miracle mm. to be the man that you are. Tell me, how, how have you dealt with that father wound? I part, firstly, Sally's coaching. Um, an example of um, her life and her mum's life, who was a, uh, a widow, a Christian lady. But so all that, and um, as you grow in the Christian life, if you continue the journey of uh, discipleship through your life, you, you do realise we're all broken. We all muck up. My dad's broken, my mum's broken. Um, how, what standards do I want to hold them to? Because I'm broken. We're all broken. Show me a Christian that's got together, that's... That's a mirage. We, we all need Christ day by day. So that's helped me over the decades with sales coaching. I've just gone there. Yeah, Dad was a hard ass, you know, and Mum was tough. It's tough. And uh, that's okay. So that, that takes time, but you get to that point. So you go, that's you're okay. really talking about grace. Grace, absolutely. The grace Unde- of God. Undeserved grace, grace of, of God. Grace of God, because yeah. um, we're all broken and we, we just need God and allow space and grace for mm-hmm. others. Uh, and that helps start to heal the wound. And then also, uh, Marcy, you work through it and you, you realise you're not, you're not the victim. You're not the victim. You have a choice, Mark. What are you going to do about it? You've, you've experienced grace. And again, I'm not preaching. I'm just telling my story. So what are you going to do about it? And I've gone, I'll listen to Sally. I'll be coached in grace. And that's cool. People make mistakes. Yes, you're hurt. You're rejected. Um, like my mum wrote me out of a will. Wasn't there to go to my dad's funeral it's crazy stuff, but that's okay. That's okay. Amazing. Uh, goodness of God. Let's look at your second song. Mm. I think you'll all know this one. Well, people over 40 will.
songs of all time, I think, for people of our generation. Mark, at the age of 68. <laughs> Am I right, Sal? Put it this way. At Rick your and, age. Rick and I are a week apart. <laughs> so, what age is Rick? 67. Anyway, oh. at your age, here's my big question. Yeah. Have you found what you're looking for? No, absolutely not. Um, because that song uh, has always stayed with me because it, if you get a chance to read through the lyrics or listen to the lyrics, he's talking about um, all the things he's experienced in life, you know, all the things he's touched on. You know, and, um, and, that, and then through it, it's a good classic gospel song, which they say, because in the end he talks about that, that Christ took the shame, his shame upon himself and carried it on the cross. So he, here's him talking about, yes, I've experienced these things, but Christ picked up my shame on the cross and carried it for me. So the gospel's bang right there in this secular song, which is not, it's a gospel song. Uh, and then in the end he just goes, but I still haven't found my money. And that totally relates to that holy discontent that I have, as you would know, always have had. Why is that? Because I'm a pilgrim. We are pilgrims. We're not meant to be settlers. And um, we're meant to be open to the journey in front of us. And if that journey means, if we think we're settlers and it's boxing, my kids are going to Flinders or Bayside, which is fine. My kids went to that. Um, and you know, I've got the super right and I've got them at Camp Mayfair no and this and that, and that's it. That's it. I'm thinking, no, God's bigger than that. And bigger in a way, not there to entertain me or excite me. You know, he's God. But to offer us more of experience of life. So it's about stepping forward and being open, saying, there's got to be more, not to entertain me, but because God's so good. Um, so one of our heroes, Tim Keller, uh, I was reading a story last week where he just says, there's this old Methodist preacher from a couple of hundred years ago. So picture this quiet Methodist preacher faithfully serving his church each week. But for three weeks he experiences this incredible experience where God actually envelops him for three weeks. He writes in his journal, he was taken to places for three weeks of this ecstatic intimacy with God. And then at the end of the journal entry, he says, as he comes down from that hole, because we can't stay on that forever, but as he comes down, he says, but I'm hungry for more. I, I, I want more. And he wasn't talking about I want more of that. He just, wants to, he just wants to be close to God going forward. Well, that's... I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Um, that There's got to be more in our lives. And I think it's a tragedy if I speak openly as a pastor, because uh, the kids aren't here, that if I'm being um, as open as I can be, I do watch people and we get to re retirement or whatever and we think, oh, God can't use me, can't. I'm thinking, no, God's that big. He's got lots of good things to put into you just, just to nurture your soul. So I'm not even talking about doing things. But God's so big, stay tuned um, to that because through our hurts and our difficulties and that, just keep walking forward because you still haven't felt looking for because God's so big, he will, he will put things into you to sustain you mm -hmm. and feed your soul, whether you're 50, 60, 78, I don't care. Uh, that's the God that I, I know. I love that answer. It's surprising because 
you know, as a Christian pastor, if I say to you, Mark, have you found what you're looking for? Then we mm. would expect, yes, mm. I found Jesus. Yeah. But there, there is this... Um, holy discontent. A holy discontent. But I love that because you are, you, you're never satisfied with where you are. You, mm. You're constantly asking God to uh, keep you curious yep. and keep yeah. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And you're also, I mean, you're not a particularly emotional man. You're a pretty type no, A personality. Sally's say, laughing up the back. I'd say, I'd say in the privacy of, um, yeah, I've got emotions like anybody oh, look, else. I know that, and that's mm. what I wanted to say, yep. is that um, well, you, mean you, you are, even contained. though people would see you as a type yep. A personality, yep. you are very open to the experience Absolutely. and the filling Absolutely. of God and, and yeah. everything that he does in our life. In corporate worship and yeah. beyond in, in yeah. the Monday to Friday world. Yeah. It's that transcendence of God. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's there. Yeah. He's there. Now, one thing I, I, I've asked permission for Mark to go here, um, if you just to let you know that. But you and Sal have experienced pain that very few of us will walk through. Um, Mark and Sal had, uh, have two girls and one boy, and mm. they lost their precious son, Cain, about 10 years ago. He had struggled for many years with yeah, 11 years. Yeah. severe mental health issues. Mm. And this was a devastating blow mm. for your family, as we can only imagine. But so many, as pastors, we've seen people walk through things that were less difficult than that. And, you know, their marriages broke That's up. Right. Um, they walked away from faith That's and it. from God. Yep. Which I can understand. Yeah. And yet... You and Sally, I mean, you always say to us, you never get over it. You, you keep walking, but you walk with a limp. I'm, I'll never forget you saying that to me. Tell me, what, what, what got you through that? I mean, you, Sally said you never threw it, but why are you still here? You still, yeah, why are you still here? Why are you still loving God in the church? Yeah, um, good question. And firstly... I totally get it when people have something devastating like that happen that do walk away I, because of their pain and their, um, their yeah, just their sense of loss. And so that's certainly, I mean that very seriously, that I totally get it. Uh, I understand that and my heart breaks for them. Uh, but for my experience was at that crisis point, you know, I just, I said to God, you've got to turn up. So, yeah. Mm. So, and he did. He, um... At that crisis point, he just quietly ministered to me um, in the way I needed it because you've got a broken family around you. Um, not only your own chaos, but you're, you're in your own depth of despair at that time, but you're also one step away from realising your wife's hurting like hell, your, your sisters who love their brother are hurting, then the uncles and the aunties and friends and, and good friends. Uh, and Cain's mates and, and then the gateway mob because he really grew up here. It's all that happening. And I said, God, you've got to turn up here um, and just minister to me. And he did. He, he quietly, at that crisis point, I just knew, I said, oh, this is, yeah, God's, it's okay. God's here in that pain. Didn't lessen the pain uh, and to this day, but it was a supernatural, quiet response of God to say, it's okay, Mark, I'm right here. Mm. Um, so... Many, many people who 
who find God in their... I mean, most people who find God find them in their early years, mm. teenage. That's just a mm. sort of statistic. Mm. But then, then we have the long, the long years. It's a long obedience long in the one direction. Mm. And most people will go through some sort of wall. Absolutely. So they'll butt up against something or in their few. life. Yeah, yeah. And if, if we can... If we're aware of the faithfulness of God getting us through that, we can come out of that situation in many ways a different person, a richer person. So how, how do you feel you, you are more fully, Mark, on this side of the wall than you were before? I think a, a good way to look at that, and I didn't want to put you on the spot, but you... you it's, and, you know... I'm open to whatever, mate. You, you, you reflect back to me, what do you see from where you sit? Because we've travelled for nearly four generations, yeah. four decades. What do you see that may have worked? Well, you've, have... You've, you've been like a big brother to me for many years and I've always loved you, but you were, you were a hard man, hmm. you know. Um, uh, you were a guy who... Um, Take no would, 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 would Yeah, would, would expect people, you know... Get get a haircut, get a real job. Mm. That was that would be Mark Ansell. Mm. But I think on the other side of that, I I see a an, a tenderness in you, um, a an increased compassion. Um, just someone who has who has walked through that pain and known the grace of God um, so powerfully. And I now see your ability to minister to others. So I was just saying before with Sally as well, I have a dear friend who lost her husband tragically this year. Mm. And, um, and I said to her, you need to talk to Sally. Because she's, she's walked through this. She understands grief. Mm. And it's, it's just amazing how if we allow God to carry us through that, that we grow fruit that others can, mm. can pluck off the tree and be nourished by. And I see that in you, Mark, mm. you know, the way that you are now mentoring so many young men and young pastors and, and you've, just, you've just got this life experience and richness to you, which is mm. really special. Mm. So I think that might take us to your third song. Sure. So let's... I think a lot of you will know this one. Oh 
plays out in your life. I can see the influence it's had on you. But why have you chosen this one? Marcy, I've um, had the privilege um, over the decades, whether it was in Gateway or in business, um, in sport and just interact with, I've, I've realised that in the Aussie context, um, and then we do our Gateway stuff, but then we're also part of the A2A network where we help churches around Australia, as you do. Um, Aussie males, 90% uh, of Aussie guys experience gaps with their dads. It's rare that it's healthy as it could be. Um, so there's 90% of blokes, Aussie blokes, no matter what age, I met blokes who are 70 who've got this father gap and they're hurting because they're there's relationship issues that were never dealt with or, or the good things that should have been said hadn't been said or aren't being said. So there's this gap of this lonely. I can be at a, at a party, at a wedding, wherever it is. And, and I don't know how many times I'll just chat to blokes, maybe because I ask, expand the questions, and within minutes they're telling me about something to do with an issue. Yeah, not an issue, but just, you know, their, their background and their... You pick it up and I ask a few for the question, and there's this gap. And so the song uh, is telling us, you know, don't, don't put off the positive things that need to be said now. So as you and I have uh, closely followed over the decades um, through the writings of Dallas Willard and Scripture, is our inter- we don't, he's not saying wait till eternity, you know, etern- eternity's now. It's now. We are actually living our eternity now. And so in our eternity that we're living now, which rolls on uh, once we take our last breath, we're actually living our eternity now. So if you've got something positive to say to someone, so for me, to blokes, uh, I, I just, I will say it. Whether, and my son grew up there. I would say to him how much I loved him, how proud I was. And to blokes here and wider, I used to admit, I'd just say to them why they're a good person. And so reflecting after the first, I, I've come home and told Sarah, so I've been walking into doctor surgeries, I've walked into chiropractors, things, guys that have had the Beamer cars and all this stuff. And within 90 seconds, Marcy, because you get another chat, how's it going? They'll say something about, and I've just looked in the eye and I've spoken life into them, not preaching. I've just gone, mate, you are a good dad. And they've, they've cried. Yeah. They've just cried. 
And these are professionals. I've gone, there's a gap there, and so therefore I will model of speaking, and like I've done at Camp Mayfield last night, I'll just speak to people and say, really very, um, not glib things, I'll say, you know, you're safe. I just really like this about you. I really appreciate you as a person. So, and that song saying that, don't wait yeah. to the funeral. Um, say it. And this is the gateway value of, of encouragement. Absolutely. You know, if you wonder yeah. why we bang on about filling oh, out it's, encouragement it's, cards. It's life-giving. This is the reason yeah. why. It's not fluff. It's life-giving. No, it's life-giving. To look, at, look, to look at Aussie bloke in the eyes yeah. and, and say to him why he's really valuable yeah. as a person, not yeah. what they do yeah. and achieve. I'm not talking about I'm just saying you're a good bloke. Yeah. There's more for you yet. Yeah. They know you're, you're serious and you're speaking on their level. Yeah. And you just see a flicker of tear in it because you've spoken into their soul. Mm. Uh, and I haven't even mentioned scripture. I've just said to them, bloke to bloke, you're a good man. You really are. Can I just say, we didn't say this at the first yeah, one, sure. but I, down at Camp No Fear last night, um, 250 high school kids, Going off. half of whom have never been to camp before, but half of whom have been, know the culture of the camp, and that culture comes from the culture of Gateway. Absolutely does. I'm talking to the lady who manages the camp in charge of the kitchen. She says, we just love it when the Gateway kids come. They, or they'll come up to our kitchen people and say, thank you for that meal, yep. that was delicious. Thank you for the hard work you do. And they're just blown away because they're used to high school kids who are just horrible most of the time. Mm. And look, that, that, is, that is the Absolutely. culture of Christ just bleeding through something Christ like that. hope, Amazing. encouragement into people. So All beautiful. the time when you read the scriptures. Mark, let's finish. I ask you to come with your life song, which is a piece of scripture, which mm. is, you know, once again, choosing your favourite child. <laughs> um, but let's, let's look what it is, and if you could read it sure. to us, please. Um, yeah, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was encouraging young Christians uh, in church, and uh, he says, um, Companions as we are in this work with you, uh, we beg you, please don't squander one bit of this marvellous life God has given us. Um, God reminds us, I heard your call in the nick of, t- nick of time, the day you needed me, I was there to, there to help. And then he goes on to say, well, now is the right time to listen, Gatorites, the day to be helped. And then he switches to this father thing, Marcy. This, you, can, you can sense this. Father heart of Paul. Um, and he says, Dear, dear Gatorites, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in, Mark. The smallness you feel, Mark, comes from within you. Mark, your life's not meant to be small, but you're living it in a small way. And he says, I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Mark, open up your life and live openly and expansively. So that's so what I've tried to do, Mark. And can I say, Mark, that there'll be... You'll meet many men <laughs> in the next life who will come up to you and say, Mark, it's because of you that I, I was able to lead my family well, I was able to lead my church well because of your influence. Thanks, Mark. Um, you won't be known all over the world as a celebrity, but in the kingdom of God, you are. 
So I want to thank you for sharing that today.